<laughs> Hello. Can anyone around here speak basketball? It's the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. Welcome to the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Freddie Rivas, and who, sir, are you? I'm the producer, Matt Duncan, Freddie how are you? I am doing uh, quite well. It is February. We had a really fun uh, show today. If it's your first time tuning in, we are a Raptors slash NBA podcast. We're hardcore fans. We have analysts on. We have comedians. We have artists. And anyone really who's just a basketball nut is welcome on the show. If, uh, you know, if people want to get more involved, help us out, turn us into like, you know, a massive exclusive podcast on Spotify. How can they do that, Maddie? We got dunkspodcast.com. We got the sonarnetwork.com. Those are the sites that we are on. You can also on our social medias, click on our podkite links so you can go to the podcatchers and our website and everything else you need. It makes it really easy and, and it'll get you where you want to go. So as well, you know, make sure that you check out the Patreon. We're just talking about getting some new content on our League Pass report we are going to record this week. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to check that out. So, yeah, please, if you can, just get on those podcatchers, subscribe and rate and give the other podcatchers or podcasts on our network a listen. They're fantastic. We're a big family. We're eating spaghetti together like a big Italian wedding. So uh, thank you for the support, and we're going to keep going. (laughs) Thanks for the support. We're going to keep eating that spaghetti, okay? (laughs) Now come check out our pod kite. Um, (laughs) Maddie, you are a true legend. Uh, I I love you. Lucky to have you. Um, This is a a really fun podcast. Uh, Two sweet people. Lots of, you know, good back and forth here. Uh, we have uh, Tristan Douglas, who I accidentally call Tristan Thompson. Uh, Tristan is half good on Twitter. He has just some of the best Raptors art out there. His game day posters have been totally taking off. Make sure you check his stuff out. Make mm-hmm. sure you support him. And of course, Katie Heindel, very prominent Raptors voice. Um, she's amazing. You know her from Basketball Feelings, uh, Basketball with Sean Woodley. This pod, she's on Locked yeah. On. You hear her voice asking uh, Raptors questions and Nick Nurse, and she's just incredible, super insightful. Is she still on Dishes and Dimes? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm I'm not sure what their regular rotation is, but yeah. uh, she's still listed, so I think she's um you know yeah. still doing pods with them. But uh, yeah, it's a really fun pod. We talk about um, good luck charms and you know Gary Trent's headband. Uh, we talk about uh, Goran Dragic and what might happen there after the Doug Smith article, yeah. as well as the most undervalued skill in the NBA, which was a fun thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. And um, also 
just, you know, I asked him to give me a win-win at the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. So we explored that. I butchered my own question there. Good times. Uh, Apologies to uh, the Washington Wizards. (laughs) Didn't mean that much uh, disrespect. But uh, yeah, I feel like we're good to go. Uh, I'll say, as I always do, Black Lives Matter, Stop Asian Hate, Defund the Police, and email your city councilors, your provincial MPPs, and your federal uh, MPs. Be loud, be the squeaky wheel, let people know what you want, and um, yeah, just uh, you know, exercise your voice as a constituent. Maddie, if you feel like we're, we're good to go and start talking some ball, please just give me those words I crave for so, so much. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's get uh, let's get rolling here on this episode. We got two amazing guests. I am very very excited. Both returning guests. Let's bring on guest number one. We went to uh, Humber College together for comedy. We're both still doing comedy in different forms. Um, he's uh, an incredible artist, uh, a, an amazing person. If, you, if you're on Twitter, you, you probably know his, uh, and you're a Raptor fan, you probably know his, his drawings. He does a, a Raptors game day poster every day. Um, he's half good on Twitter. We'll make sure to plug his stuff. But just, you know, beloved in the Raptors community, bringing, you know, such a fun, extra, intricate, like, cool, creative energy that just you know brings this fan base to life and you know these characters on the Raptors to life. I'm very excited to have him back. Please give it up as loud as you can, even if you're at home alone, for Tristan Thompson. I realized I called you Tristan Thompson and I <laughs> get confused all the time. People who are watching the video, they know yeah. this is Tristan Thompson. <laughs> Hanging with the Kardashians, yeah, that's Tristan me. Thompson, ladies Just and gentlemen. illustrating and hanging out <laughs> oh with the case. <laughs> Did you know one of the Kardashian partners just loves to draw all the time? Yeah. <laughs> you don't see it on the TV show. It's yeah, not it's, good television. It's not good TV. It's no, really it's, pretty detailed stuff. So Yeah, it's not a lot of entertainment there. Um, what's up? I, I messed up your name, but uh, how you doing? Thanks for joining it, I'm doing great. I also love that anytime I'm on here, we go back to the Humber College days <laughs> because I think about those times. So that's like that's close to 15 years ago now. It's a long time ago. I feel like, yeah, I have, there's a, a couple of people I have on this pod from my high school. So I, I, I got to reach all the way back, you know? Yeah, I get you. Not um, doing comedy anymore. I think uh, almost immediately after Humber. <laughs> It fell off for me. <laughs> that is very okay. You made the right decision. Uh, I think that, so, yeah. Like, not because you're not funny, only because there's there's no money allowed for comedians. Um, <laughs> I was also not funny then as well. I think you are funny, so take that. Um, all right, let's, let's bring on guest number two. She's incredible. You know, if you're a big Raptors fan or even a little Raptors fan, you you know her. She's been on this pod a bunch. Uh, she's on Locked On with, with Sean Woodley uh, a bunch. She also does uh, uh, basketball with Sean. She's been on like Up Rocks, uh, written for SI, just done like, you know, so many good pieces and always has incredible insight, basketball feelings you should subscribe to. Uh, I'll make sure she plugs everything. 
But uh, give it up as loud as you can, even if you're at home alone, for Katie Heindel. <laughs> My familiar song. I love hey. it. <laughs> it is a good song. It's a good one. It's like kind of, it's always like a little relaxed, but still a little bit peppy. <laughs> I feel like it, it encapsulates me or I'm just stretching. Um, but, you know. Either it's good to be back. Yeah, e- either <laughs> works. Um, thanks for ha- being happy to be back. And uh, if you don't like this song, thanks for pretending. You know, <laughs> of course. I figure by now it's kind of like contractual. Like you can't switch. I've had that song for years now. Totally. Seventeen time- episodes. Wow. Wow. I was gonna say one time Crazy. somebody tried to switch songs and Matt called me and was just freaking out and like <laughs> swearing and so I'm really happy that you're uh, content. Me too. I don't want to make things difficult for Matt ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'll say I'll say yes, you don't because you mm-hmm. don't want to see that side of. Me. <laughs> um, if you're like hear the snowblower rev up, it's too late. Uh. <laughs> such a nice person which is why this is funny um <laughs> let's uh okay let's talk raptors uh maddie good sir uh, i'm actually going to want you to come in for this first one but please also give us uh the most glorious raptors sting Aging bobby webster um Okay, let's go to you first, Katie. Um, and this is like a little bit silly, but also mostly to just like give a, a nod to all the Raptors starters right now. The the five is like really clicking. Um, OG doesn't have like a particular streak going, but, you know, Freddie is like 17 games in a row with three or more threes. Pascal is putting up like, LeBron style numbers. Uh, Gary is just like 30 points a game now. Um, But that got me thinking, like I'm pretty sure Gary started hitting 30 points when he put the headband on. And I forget who it was, but someone in the post game asked him, you know, if it was like a good luck charm. And he sort of just like an athlete does was like, yeah, yeah, I put in the work. So like, I don't really care about luck sort of thing, but it's fun to think about that. So uh, yeah, I kind of wanted to think, the other four guys, if they have good luck charms, what are they and why? Um, not not one for each. So I just want you to pick one. Tell me what their good luck charm is. Okay. Um, also, I have to say, yeah, you're not going to get as much as like I'm always I'm always trying to figure out the thing that will crack Gary in like yeah. the post game or availability. He's the most just like even keel in all his responses. I've never seen him even, his voice doesn't even change. No, he's like, he's very like, he's like, seems like he is like, it is, he conducts his own orbit somehow. Yeah, I think so. You know, and if it wasn't the headband for Gary, I would say it's his very tight, uh, almost skimpy, like warm up gymnast style clothes that he Mm, wears. Of all the Raptors, he's always, he's got like, sometimes I'm, I, I sent a pic to a friend once and they were like, is he just wearing underwear? <laughs> and like almost like a singlet. He just likes to be loose. And I, I respect it. Yeah, um, he, wears, he wears onesies, you know, he's doing his yeah, thing. Yeah. I got to say, um, I think I'll like just lean towards this because 
he never seems to get as much attention about it, maybe because he doesn't talk about it as much as some of his um, colleagues and teammates with their own brands that, you know, are more readily available. But Pascal Siakam's PS logo gear. And he's had that for so long, so maybe that's not the best one because it's wait, not like wait. it's new. I feel bad. Well, where does he wear it? It's like on his shoes? Uh, He's got like hats. He's got hoodies. He's got, oh. He has a chain, I think. I think um, I've seen the hoodie. Does he wear it like in the game? Like does he have like PS socks? No. Oh, it needs to be in the game, huh? Not necessarily, no. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. This isn't really like a flair group of guys. I honestly thought Scotty really, Barnes no. might have like a little bit of flair by now, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Fred doesn't on court. Pascal sometimes wears a headband, but again, that's quite consistent. This is a bad answer. I'm sorry. No, um, this, is, this is totally fine. I, I'm basically making up good luck charms for these guys. So, you know what uh, I think has been a, was it maybe not bad luck, but certainly a, a deflector of luck was Nick Nurse's pinky ring. I'm glad he's toned <laughs> down, Ooh, flashing okay. that thing around so much. Was it like oh my God. the ring in the Irishman? Like he's like one of three guys that has this ring. Well, it never answers questions about it. He wears it on. It's a pinky ring, and it's huge, and he's like, he's very expressive. And sometimes I think when he wears it, he's like on purpose, sort of okay. putting his hand. He killed up. Jimmy Hoffa. Um, it's like Lord I of got the Rings. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's but... how you make Gary crack. Ask him about Nick's ring. <laughs> <laughs> but can you tell me about Nick's pinky ring, Gary? <laughs> um, but I, that's, it seems like he's maybe toned it down a little bit or he just keeps his hand down when he's doing his pre and post games and it's less of a distraction. I, that's actually a perfect answer. Nick's, Nick's pinky ring, um, I didn't even know was in play, to be honest. Um, I swear we talked about it before, but maybe not. I, I Yeah, I guess I must. Yeah, it's got to be there. Um, okay, uh, Tristan, what's up? What's, uh, what's like the good luck charm that we maybe know about, maybe don't? Um, I think for Scotty, it's his social media presence. I think okay. since since he came into the league, onto the Raptors, he's been a social media darling. I think that's where he gets his strength and his superpowers from. All of the ads, all of the, the gifts that have come out with Scotty, I think this just, it kind of breathes this like new life into him. And I know that he's old, like he's a young guy, doesn't need new life, but yeah. He, uh, <laughs> You're looking he, old, Scotty. Yeah. He's looking too old midway through the season, playing more minutes than anyone. Um, I think that presence is his superpower. He feeds off of those interactions and when he goes on live or even the ads, I just saw like some axe ad with him as well. I think those things are the superpower that he latches onto. And I would say anytime that uh, someone can take over for Fred, that would be his good luck charm. Yeah, anytime that he gets a break, it's a good luck. Fred, Fred's good luck charm is just a little bit of rest. <laughs> yeah, just sitting down. Yeah, it's his good luck charm. Yeah, so he's like a Fred's like a tired dad at a park who's just mm-hmm. like my my superpower is if you're looking at my kid, I'm gonna rest my eyes for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just um, a cushion seat. That's his uh, good luck charm. That probably is. Fred's, because uh, Fred does rock the cushion seat, right? Mm-hmm. That probably is his uh, uh, his good luck charm. Okay, Maddie, what's up? 
what what good luck charm have you noticed or made up and for who? Okay, well, yeah, this is something that I've noticed for sure. Now, it is about Pascal, and I have talked about before on the podcast how Pascal is a real Canadian brunch head. He loves a, he loves a, a, like waffles and pancakes, and he loves that maple syrup. And I know that from a server that would serve him all the time, a friend, down uh, at school as I've uh, talked about before. So what Pascal does, you know, he's more about the sweet than the spice. That's just a fact. Okay. And he uses maple syrup. (laughs) Maple syrup is like a tiger bomb for him. He puts it on his elbows. (laughs) He puts a little drop on his temples when he's feeling stressed out. Wow. Sometimes when he gets a little panicked, when he's feeling tired on the side of the court, he's got a little jar. I don't know if you've noticed, he unscrews it and he just gives a little bit of a whiff. Um, like smelling salts. Like smelling salts, yeah. <laughs> this is good. Quite the lead in here, Maddie. And yeah, so I think that, I, and just pay attention. If you ever get close enough to him, Katie, I, I think you'll be probably, uh, of all, all of us, you'll, you have the chance to get close close enough to him does it smell a little sweet well that's the maple syrup that is definitely the maple syrup and that is what's keeping him loose happy and hitting them hitting them points (laughs) hell yeah all the things maple syrup is known to do i'll be sure to take uh Take my mask off and lean in. <laughs> and then have my credential ripped from my neck. <laughs> the process of you also removing your mask? Because, like, yeah, I guess that is what it's going to take. Be like, oh, that's weird. Katie's taking off her mask and leaning in and taking a big whiff. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Although I think, Katie, you're so beloved. Like, you get a pass. Like I, I hope, maybe. anyways. Yeah, maybe. Um, I could, I could, I could manage it. I think I could manage it. You could swing it once. I think people <laughs> would say, "Please don't do that again." Um, <laughs> but you do get to do it one time. Uh, thanks. And everyone um, would watch you from that moment on. Anytime you entered the room. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, they you're put like, me in like a Hannibal Lecter mask on like a hand truck. Like that. also, anytime you ask ask a question after that. That you'd probably get like a, a follow up to you being like, "That's that's fair. I'll answer this." But can I ask you why you smelled Pascal? <laughs> um, I think I think that might crack Gary too. Gary, Gary would be like, "I saw yeah. you um, take off your mask and smell." Um, okay, here's mine. It's uh, now I don't I don't wear glasses, so I don't know enough about this. But at some point in the summer. OG got a hold of someone and he said, give me contacts that don't fall out. And he got them or or either that, or I'm not seeing him pick up his contacts constantly. Uh, Or maybe it was like where he was getting his contacts in Tampa. I don't know enough about glasses or contacts. I just know that OG has his secret weapon, which is just workable contacts. Um, So that's, that's my, that's my OG good luck charm. I like the idea that uh, he's gone from a contact brand that was prone to fall out. <laughs> Real <laughs> slippery suckers. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I can't, I can't make this up. Like, I'm telling you. I mean, I don't know how many games the contacts fell out last year. 
but uh, I say it's it's got to be like ten. Yeah, maybe not. I remember. Yeah, no, he was losing his contacts. A at lot. one point, I, I felt like it was happening at, happening like once a quarter. Is it the heat down there? Like your eyes sweat? Maybe. Yeah, it's maybe, a yeah, maybe it's like a, a bush gardens thing. Like he was That's going to bush gardens. <laughs> how would you even like? How would how did he find them? One, how did he find them on like a shiny, shiny basketball court? And then two, why would you want to put them back in after? Hundred percent. Lot, lots Great of questions. questions. <laughs> Not a lot of answers. Um, yeah. And anyways, it's it's a it's a problem that's been solved. So so that's good stuff. <laughs> let's uh, let's go to you now, Tristan. And um, I just want to kind of talk about. I don't know if you saw the Doug Smith Star article. Um, mm-hmm. I I didn't think there that there was like uh, like a wild amount of like new information sort of said that there's a lot of people interested in Dragic and the Raptors feel like they can move him. I thought, you know, one of the most interesting points was that uh, they think of Gary as a core member, which makes sense to me. And also that they think there's an opportunity here to bring back some, uh, you know, money via a trade, AKA someone who's like signed on for longer than this year. So maybe there's someone who they feel like will be a, you know, a good part of the bench or again, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, yeah, uh, Doug Smith seemed to be pretty confident uh, or his sources anyways, that uh, the Raptors would be able to move Dragic. So my question is uh, what can uh, Masai and Bobby get in a deal here? Uh, Like what's the best version of, of what you think is realistic? I mean, it's interesting with Goran because with how many teams apparently have interest in him, there's a lot of different avenues in which they can go. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there is the talk of, you know, us trying to shoot for getting a Jakob Pertle back on the team or mm-hmm. some solid bench pieces as well. And truthfully, I think if it's – as long as it's something that can help our bench – I think that in the last you know, couple of weeks, you've really seen that starting lineup. Uh, they've been very productive, but they've struggled with how many minutes they're playing. And it's just not sustainable for mm-hmm. the rest of this year. And if it's going to be the case next year as well. So I think if you're able to flip Drogic and you know, I'm okay with tossing in a, a pick or a, a Malachi Flynn, um, mm-hmm to get one or two bench rope pieces back, like uh, Bogdanovich from Atlanta, if he wants to come over here, I think there's some use for a player like that. Uh, Rashawn Holmes would be, uh, if they can make a swing that would be lovely. I would love something that, uh, you know, really kind of went for it. I think Bobby and Messiah are in a very interesting place because we do have assets. And if, a lot of people want Dragic. You can maybe up the value of this one player with a pick attached and a you know, Malachi, even a Chris Boucher, for instance, uh, would help out some other teams as well. I really don't think there's a bad move they could make with Dragic. So I'm very, very open to sending him to Cleveland or Atlanta, Sacramento. Honestly, anywhere, even Dallas and getting some pieces back from them. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think this is almost like a like a win-win scenario for us. Uh, 
in the very worst case scenario, he gets bought out and that's all it is. You know, we're still in a good spot for next year. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you that, like, if it is, because to, to me, that is uh, the worst case scenario is that, you know, I, I, I always hate saying, like, we got nothing for the player because it's so it's a weird way to talk about players. And I also feel like it doesn't tie in, you know, the sort of like organic way that that trades develop, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as value, it definitely seems like the the least amount of value is buying him out, which, um, yeah, maybe the Raptors are, are overconfident or, or Doug Smith is doing a little propaganda here. But, uh, it, you know, I, I, I would tend to agree. It does seem like there's a lot of avenues for them to do that. I was mostly thinking about this tragic trade possibility as like a, as a, you know, one team versus another, like us in Dallas sort of thing. But of course, if you bring in like a third team, even a fourth team, there's a lot of machinations and sort of, I think different teams can kind of, you know, get what they want uh, in what might end up being like a convoluted way, but that's sort of how it works sometimes. This is the first time in my life that I've ever opened up the ESPN trade analyzer, trying to craft my own trades. Oh, nice. Uh, And, (laughs) It's difficult, but it's, yeah, uh, it's not easy. Yeah, I think uh, the options once you uh, grab a third team in there again, they they're just going to expand and you know different possibilities. Uh, I'm also of the mindset if it is a very you know we just uh, buy him out and he's gone. I'm also okay with the mindset like we're still a very young core. Mm-hmm. Play those bench guys a little bit more, develop them, see if they're if they can be productive as part of this team, um, I don't think uh, I'm going to shock anyone if by saying that I don't think the Raptors will go extraordinarily far in the postseason. But I think this is a great year to even just develop those bench pieces by you know not playing Fred you know 39 minutes a game and having you know Delano Malachi being more active, even if they're not that unproductive, but just getting those minutes. Uh, I'm okay with even that as the trade-off if uh, we don't get our ideal pieces back for for Dragic. Yeah, that, I mean, I'll just jump in and agree with you because I do feel like we're developing so many people at the same time that if that's the case and there's not a veteran that comes in and takes some minutes, that's also fine long-term. Um, where are you at, Katie? Like, what's, a, what's your best-case scenario for Goran Dragic? I mean, I'm kind of torn and I do agree with what Tristan said in that it like the midseason deals that Messiah and Bobby typically make have been big and like big pushes to mm-hmm. get the team, you know, to clarify what their seasonal trajectory looks like and how far they can get in the postseason. This season, they don't really need to get super far in the postseason. And I also don't think there's one specific move they can make that right now would greatly change things because a lot of what's happened is also due to personal injury, COVID. So some stuff that's like kind of out of their hands. Right. Um, And you can't really trade to safeguard that right now. Um, Could you have like a deeper usable bench? Yes. But again, like I don't think anything is coming out of one specific trade. Um, That said, there is one guy who I totally, I didn't realize that, that he would be made available, but I saw the other day he was. Bring Serge back. <laughs> Clippers want to trade him? 
welcome him back. He like we know he wanted to stay. We know he wanted a two year deal. He was already leaning towards that. The Raptors lost their two uh, the two greatest centers, in my opinion, in the NBA in the same year um, because they didn't give them both a two year deal, which is what the both of them wanted. Bring Serge back. You know, he'd kind of, it wouldn't take much convincing. He could be the kind of like tougher, like older guard in. He already gets along with like pretty much the core already, save for Scotty. I feel like he could vibe with Gary, good similar styles there. Um, like, fa- I mean, like um, personal, like fashion styles, yep. not gameplay <laughs> styles. <laughs> <laughs> And it just seems like, you know, like similarly what happened to Mark, he's just not being utilized very well uh, with the Clippers, which is really not surprising because the Clippers don't have a plan whatsoever. And all their plan, uh, like any plan they did have sort of hinged on Kawhi Leonard and with Kawhi out all season, everyone is just kind of languishing. So get Serge out of there. It'll be a tough sell because I think he likes just hanging out in his pool all day. Yep. We can maybe find him a condo, got a good pool situation. Um <laughs> And, and barring that, I'm also of the mind that, like, if you buy Dragic out, that's fine. I think optics-wise, it's just, like, it's not a great look, honestly. And, I like, I felt for Dragic at first. I, I thought, like, maybe there is something going on that he can't be with the team. But when you see him just, like, chilling courtside yeah. at Heat Games and in Miami. Though a part of me is also, like, is this a master manipulation tactic by Bobby and Masai? Or they're, like, go uh, look casual at the game just so people think that, like, you're <laughs> – not actually injured or like unplayable, you know, you're still like out and about Mr. Cool guy, kind of like a real psychic manipulation thing. I have no idea. I also think that there is a little bit of urgency to buy him out because with what the Raptors are trying to do this season in a rebuild season and like very clearly building toward something, you know, their, their next iteration, the next gen, they have all the players really that they want to do that with. They just want to develop them, get them better, maybe kind of retool a little bit uh, over the summer. Dragic kind of throws that whole equation off. Uh, I think in terms of just almost, I don't want to be like his his moral value, but just like with what he's doing, it doesn't really, I think it sets a bad example, quite frankly. And I think it makes the Raptors franchise look like a franchise that's sort of willing to give leniency to that degree. And they don't really have to do that anymore. You know, like their championship organization. Mm -hmm. Um, Am I a little bit bitter that this is what's happened with Dragic? Maybe. Could he have played a couple games here and there? Yeah, I think he could have. Um, but it's clear he doesn't want to. So I think if you don't get a good deal, um, then buy him out. See you later. Uh, <laughs> hit the road. Hit the road. <laughs> Dragic. Um, I tried to make a jack pun. Just didn't work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I just want to uh, jump on a couple things. I also am like a little bit, I guess, peeved about the Dragic scenario only because as this season has went on, it's pretty clear that like I don't know how many wins he could add to our equation, but some for sure he mm-hmm. could have added some wins. And I think he would have been, you know, a, a nice kind of veteran leader, especially off the bench, maybe, you know, gotten hot a couple times. And um, yeah, so that's a little bit frustrating. Uh, I also feel like with, Precious clearly being like, you know, someone who's going to come along slowly and has potential, but 
sort of is, you know, some people love him. Or I mean, I don't know if people love him. It might just be me. I but love him. I, I think he's really I, yeah. a worth a worth it and going to be amazing. However, I do have to admit there's he has a lot of struggles and, um, you know, I think he'll work it out. But overall, you know, it's it's hard. It's going to be hard for people not to go back to the Lowry trade and thinking about value, you know, not necessarily thinking about what was available during the deadline. Like for me, if you're having that conversation, you should be it should be through the lens of like, I want Tyree. Uh, I want like Tyrese Maxey. Like that mm-hmm. should be your angle because that was, that's what was available. But uh, anyways, all, all that to say, I actually think Serge is a wonderful target. I think we would see a scenario where he all of a sudden looks a lot better than he does mm-hmm. in LA. And with the Raptors playing Scotty and, you know, this sort of like, weird mix of like our, our centers are, are kind of a combo of OG Scotty and Pascal with this, this small lineup we have. Um, I think that would be kind of perfect for Serge. So he'd I come in and do like 12 minutes and like mm-hmm. hit a bunch of like free throw shots and open threes. And sorry, I feel like I cut you off, Katie. No, I was just going to say like, um, I think so too. And I think like, not to say he were, he didn't work well with Kyle Lowry, but I think the tandem was always like Lowry and Gasol, you know, like mm-hmm. Gasol for Lowry as an outlet guy. And then I think uh, Fred and Serge were always like a, a very like beautiful kind of like balancing duo as well. So I think now that Fred's in that position of leadership um, and I really like the fact that like, Fred seemed like the only guy on the team that could like get on surge and like get through to him and like call him out, you know, mm-hmm. for like being a diva, you know, being kind of hot headed, just like messing up when he did. Right. Um, and now he could, he could just like fit into that pretty well because I think what they would need from someone like surge isn't really that it's, it's almost not even as much as they needed from surge and like the championship season or the season yeah. after that. He could take a little bit of a, a backseat. He was already kind of exploring what he could do, um, you know, from like three point, like in terms of his three point shooting, like that was going up. And I think it could be a little bit like what you're seeing with DeMar DeRozan in Chicago, right? It's like when these guys go elsewhere and have like some time away to sort of develop uh, and grow their careers outside of what has been like the most familiar environment. Granted with DeMar um, he was with the Raptors, obviously, for a really long time, and Serge mm-hmm. had kind of bounced around to a couple more teams by the time he got to Toronto. But I think, like, being in the Clippers, experiencing, like, a different system and a real different caliber uh, of guys to play alongside to come back to the Raptors, I think there's, like, a, a really easy fit for him. If you're bringing yeah. a Serge in again, whose minutes do you want him to be kind of taking in that capacity? <laughs> Because we have like people like Precious, we really want to kind of develop mm-hmm. and push forward. That's my only hesitation about Serge. I would love to have him as that presence, being on the bench or you know uh, with the young people as well. And young people, God, I sound old. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, with the young people, he's hip, he's cool. Um, but yeah, I'm just concerned about uh, the minutes that he would be taking from, you know, whether it is Precious or Boucher. Uh, we forget that Birch is on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But I think mm-hmm. I think the problem right now, I mean, this still is the problem for Chris Boucher. And I think uh, Precious Achu is experiencing this too. But when those guys are just asked to like be at the five and be in a more like traditional 
like center role, they don't really do well mm-hmm. because like Boucher is so long and rangy and like explosive. You want him to be able to kind of creep around on mm-hmm. the floor. And like, same with precious because you're asking him to take on a lot of these like stretch capabilities. And when he, when you just stick him at the five, he's not very good there. Mm-hmm. He's also like right now trying to clamp down on this sensation. This feeling I think that a lot of young guys have is like, I think some people say it's like padding out their stats, but basically it's just like learning not to be such a selfish player. And that like, sometimes the ball is going to leave your hands and get in your teammates hands, but it's better because it will end up with like a more valuable, you know, like shot or something. And it doesn't always have to be you taking the shot. Precious mm-hmm. is kind of struggling with that sometimes. Um, but I think, you know, freed up from the five. And if that's just where Serge is going to play is more of like an anchor guy. Cause I think you'd want him to come in. I don't even know that you'd want him to start. I think you'd want him to maybe come in and end, quarters and like kind of slow things down for you especially where they get a little bit lost in transition right Mm -hmm. um i think Serge could help you out there so again i don't think anyone would look at too much of a demotion like the way nick nurse plays guys already is it's pretty everyone's like fairly interchangeable uh and i think like Serge kind of went he is a five but he could like you know he can flip around if he needs to so i don't know that it would like eat up guys minutes completely but yeah the chem point is a good is a good point because I feel like poor Kim hasn't actually had a fair shot yet this season. <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'll just add, I think what could, you know, potentially help this bench and this team overall is like a little bit more competition in that regard. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you, you'd have a guy for nurse uh, that, that could run a lot of what he wants to run. And then also perhaps teach, a guy like precious, like some of the tricks, like, Hey, when you're in the middle and there's a zone, what you do is you get the ball and you look for the first person out of the zone sort of thing. And, and it's fine. You might not get the ball back, but you know, it's, it's a good point you make too with, uh, um, uh, with precious kind of being a little bit nervous, Katie. Cause Mm -hmm. like, I see that in Svi, right. Svi comes in and he's like, I have to hit a shot. And you just feel the pressure. And it's like, this guy, you know, you know, when he's practicing, he probably doesn't miss a three. But he gets out there and it's just like, you can just see it's very intense. And, you know, conversely, you see what happens when when someone knows that their minutes aren't aren't being messed with. Like with a guy like Gary, he's like, finally, my minutes are secure. Awesome. I'm never going to miss another shot. Mm-hmm. And And there's definitely a thing there where people are looking over their shoulder and a guy like Serge is such a vet that he doesn't, it doesn't have that same sort of attitude where he's trying to develop skill and trying, he knows what he can do. Mm-hmm. He knows how he can help a team and all those things just like bleeding into the whole team. I love, um, I also, yeah, when I, I think when I brought this up on the pod, I suggested him and Morris. I just very quickly looked at the contracts does not work. Morris is getting paid uh, 17 mil next year. So not quite the fit there. Um, but uh, yeah, let's talk some NBA. Maddie, uh, I, I know you're there. Why don't you give me your, your loudest, weirdest Adam Silver foghorn sounding sting. This is Adam Silver. Okay. Um, here we go. Uh, Katie, let's, let's start with you. Um, just pulling this up here. Yeah. Uh, 
Give me a, I should have said non-Raptors, but if it is for the Raptors, that's okay. But give me a win-win deal uh, at the deadline. Um, This actually, oops, this goes like against everything that I just said in the previous segment. But I feel <laughs> like uh, if you freed, if you freed Lonnie Walker from the more mechanical Spurs system and dropped him into the Raptors, kind of rangy, hmm. uh, rangy gunner teamwork system he'd have a much better time i don't know who you i don't know who you i guess you could give a, i guess this this part i hate the most um maybe you send malachi uh flynn to san antonio and uh and goron uh yeah i think that's all you need to do maybe you could just even do a one for one and maybe like malachi and a pick I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that, you know, we as Raptors fans are like, oh, let's get rid of Malachi. And, you know, if he went somewhere else and was given like a proper, like extended chance, like if he mm-hmm. became a, more of a guy in the NBA, I, I wouldn't be that surprised. Like he, you know, he won defensive player of the year in his college. Uh, um, I forget what division or whatever. So, but he, he's you know, got- has a good defensive system, the San Antonio Spurs. Hey. <laughs> and, you know, I think like a guy like Lonnie Walker too, like it, the Spurs system is rigid. And I think sometimes when you see someone come out of that system, they, there's just this like freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like we're seeing that with DeMar. Um, and, and to your point earlier about, you know, people having roles, I think it's not talked about enough this year, but, you know, obviously DeMar gets a lot of love, but um, Vucevic, I think, is someone who had so much responsibility for such a long time. And is just enjoying being like the second or third best guy on a team and really playing excellent basketball. Um, Tristan, who's your, uh, yeah, what's like a win-win scenario? I mean, I love that trade, uh, bringing Lonnie Walker. And if we can like, bring Pirtle back as well. Oh, man, that True. would be a, a dream scenario. I also love Pirtle. <laughs> yeah. Like, just bring both those guys back. Hmm. <laughs> um Honestly, though, I think any – I know it probably won't happen this trade deadline. If it does, it would probably shock everyone. Any Ben Simmons deal I think is a win-win for all yes. of us at this time. I think that's the best-case scenario. We can, He can move on. We can move on. The Sixers, everyone. It won't happen, but that would be, I think, the biggest win-win of this, uh, this trade deadline. I also wrote in my notes when I was uh, thinking about this question, I said, any deal the Lakers make with THT and Kendrick Nunn, I think that would be win-win because it's just going to be for someone ancient as well. And they'll (laughs) eat up all of their assets in this one move. And I think that would be win-win for for all of us as well. The Lakers are going all in for Haslam. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just sending them both away and uh bringing marcus Saul back again or something mark won't do it no, i don't I want to see mark in that, that mess also but but yeah i know I like what you're trying idea. to say i like that idea that uh for you i think about kyle lowry last year being like the lakers are not going to give up tht for lowry that's ridiculous and now like those two are the only assets they have mm-hmm. and it's not going to net you much. 
So if, they, if the Lakers make a deal that includes one or both of those players, I think it'll be a win because it's going to probably bump their average age up to like 34, 35. And I, th- I would think uh, that's really enjoyable. That's a win-win in my, yeah, in my that's opinion. Yeah, that's a good win-win. Um, mine is, uh, it's, this might sound weird, but it's sort of two guys and I don't know if they can actually be traded for each other with like the money, but, uh, I think that, um, I think John Wall needs to be traded from Houston. I think the fact that, you know, you know, I'm not sure what he has left and, I think Ben Simmons is a, a potential trade candidate for him as well with salary, but I feel like he is someone who needs to go. So I sort of have like a triple win. So he needs to go. Uh, I think um, Bradley Beal needs to go. And I think uh, Ben Simmons needs to go. And what if there was like an elaborate three team trade where Ben Simmons goes to the Rockets and it's like, hey, dude, this is your team now. Uh, you and Jalen Green, and you can just do a bunch of stuff, and you're the guy. Let's see what you got. Uh, Beal gets to go to the uh, um, – uh, sorry, Wall goes to the uh, Sixers. Oh, wait. Okay, I'm, I'm messing this up. but Because <laughs> I realized none of them want to go to Washington. So you know what? I blew, up, I blew up my own idea. Because if you're Washington, you're like, wait, what is this? This is what people always do to the Raptors and make everyone else mad on Twitter. It's like Raptors are just a feeder team. And it's like the Raptors lose Fred and Pascal and they get back. I don't know. I didn't even think about it. Um, <laughs> So I, I just did that uh, to the Wizards. I'm so sorry. Because um, I, I started thinking, I was like, wait a second. It's not Wall coming back to the Wizards. That's not the win-win. Um, I think that would be bad. Okay. You know what? Sometimes when you host a podcast, you, your answer to your own question stinks. So uh, that's what I would happen. like to see Ben Simmons get out of there. Though... I feel like he would be too intimidated. Like they would intimidate him in the Rockets locker room with the sounds of like what's happening there. You know what I mean? I don't know that it's like Ben Simmons isn't, I want him to go to a team where like he can try to be a leader if he wants, but I feel like Mm -hmm. that would be too fresh, too fresh and ask for him right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think like that's, that's like a little bit of a backseat because I'd be happy if he left the Sixers to go literally anywhere. Uh, and I also wouldn't mind seeing Miles Turner leave Indiana mm-hmm. because I don't know why the Pacers are seem so quick, like like really want to longing to get rid of Miles Turner. Like he's mm-hmm. his name always comes up. It's like Pascal Siakam's name in trade talks. Um, but if you know, sometimes you get what you wish for. So I don't want to see Miles go to the Lakers. I think he's also too young for them. My trades are not so good because there's no destination in mind. It's just like freeing players from places where I don't think they're appreciated. And I think that's what's really interesting about this trade deadline is because you have so many teams that have players that, you know, have been in talks of trades, whether it's Portland with with Dame and CJ, Mm -hmm. even Nurkic has been tossed around as well. And then you have the Pacers who are seemingly like, it caught me uh, like, uh, by surprise that they were 
saying we'll we'll trade everyone. We're going to go like the youngest we can possibly go. And you have Wall and Simmons. You have all of these people that you know have a potential of moving. Uh, but yeah, I'm Katie. I'm like you. Where I I don't know where the end de- destination is for any of these pieces. I just know that there's a dozen players that are, have been in talks throughout the season or even uh, from the summer who are still on the same teams and you know could be part of a package or a two or three t- team deal. Uh, I am very interested to see what transpires uh, within the next, what is it, nine days right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, me, me too. Like I always, you know, I take jabs at like transaction fans, like people who just want to see chairs shuffle around more than they want to watch basketball. But I do think there is a couple things, you know, like you said, there's a couple sort of, I don't know, like nagging situations, I would say, like where, where people don't seem fully happy or fully utilized. I'll throw Sacramento in there. Um, yeah. It seems like there's a couple of players there that want a new situation, whether it's like Bagley or Fox. Buddy healed, man. For Buddy years. Healed. For years. Um, free that guy. Free Buddy. Uh, okay, Katie, let's stick with you. And uh, yeah, this is just pretty open-ended, but what, in your opinion, is the most undervalued NBA skill? Hmm. I'm going to rip dir- off directly um, an interview that I had uh, recently, but I was chatting with um, Michigan State coach Tom Izzo, mm-hmm. and we were chatting about Miles Bridges, but he was talking about, because I was looking back at Miles's um, scouting reports before he came in the NBA, and I, one, I hate those things. Because they're really, if you want to read something that just dehumanizes someone so quickly, read those scouting reports. But Miles's were like, we'll never be an all-star, like no hope of being an all-star. Maybe the best he can hope for is a a good role, like a decent role player. Mm -hmm. We'll never be a high school, like top scorer on a team. And, you know, he's doing... He, I don't know if he'll go to all-star, but he certainly was like leading in the votes for Charlotte. Um, he's having a career high year scoring, but Tom Izzo was saying like the thing that those reports and any report doesn't really see uh, is this urgency in a, in an athlete, in a, in a basketball player to win and this desire to win. And he was like, I know it gets said, you know, in press conferences and like 90% of people say it, but to actually like be a good winner. And he, he also brought up Draymond Green, which is another one of his mm-hmm. alumni, but um, of just like do what you have to do to, to sacrifice to win. And like, this goes back to what we were saying earlier, but precious too, right? It's like, does that mean the ball doesn't always end up in your hands? Yeah, maybe. But to be able to recognize like what your team needs to get the win, Kyle Lowry obviously had that just like in spades and so oh, naturally. Yeah. And I think it really trickled down into the entire team from him. And I think he drilled that really like into Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, OG and Anobi. Like those guys have it almost in their basketball DNA as players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a rare thing. It is a really rare thing, especially when you look around the league at like, whether you look at like superstar teams you know, that I've been together a long time or like are kind of just being put together. Um, there's still this idea that like, you know, shoot or shoot goes against that, that saying, because like, yeah, I guess shoot or shoot, but is that the thing that your team needs? And then does that actually translate to a win? Mm-hmm. So the way I took that was not just like, 
this like bloodthirsty desire to win at all costs, but to actually be unselfish, to like take a wide lens, look at the game and be a more cerebral player. And I think all of that kind of goes into winning, uh, at least from my perspective. And I did, I, I don't know, I, I came to really agree with him because of, I think, everything that it encapsulates, you know? Yeah, well said, like so well said. Um, you know, we, we I think we had mentioned, uh, or off the top, I mentioned you, you do Locked On a lot, and, you know, shout out to Sean Woodley. He interviewed the, uh, I forget the, the guy's name, but it was the uh, the head coach of the Florida Seminoles, uh, you know, sort of like a, a primer on Scotty. And, and one mm-hmm. thing that guy kept saying was just, like Scotty's just like a magnetic personality. He's lovable. He has like a type of enthusiasm that's like difficult to quantify. But I think as Raptors fans, we can see, well, looks like it's sort of quantifiable. Like it's pretty <laughs> awesome to have someone on the court with that much enthusiasm and just life. And not everyone has that. And it's, I guess, difficult to measure, but it's it's a quantifiable thing. And yeah, the the, the winning DNA uh, it's it's amazing that the Raptors seem to be able to spot that out and cultivate it. However, it is so rare. And I think you have a lot of like all-star type guys in this league that can absolutely fill it up and just get wild stats. But it, yes, it's, it's, it's a different thing to, to be able to kind of like recognize like what exactly it is that's going to make you win games. Um, yeah. Great, great point. Um, Tristan, what's your, uh, yeah, what's like, you know, most, I guess, undervalued NBA skill? It, it's kind of piggybacking off of uh, that kind of enthusiasm because I think, in my opinion, the most undervalued skill is uh, like bench preparedness, I guess you could call it. Hmm. Uh, where, and uh, I only think about it because of the last, you know, <laughs> week or two weeks where the Raptors bench has been like underutilized, but having that, uh, mindset that kind of mental will where you're always ready to be on the floor or called up or it can even be as uh, simple as you know the celebrations that come from the bench to kind of hype up the guys that are on the mm-hmm. floor I think that um, that skill of always being prepared keeping your your practice up when you're not getting extended run in a game uh, that mental toughness for you know just having to sit there basically. And if you're not getting played in one, two, three games in a row, keeping yourself motivated to uh, add to your team when you're called upon. I think that's a skill that's very undervalued, but is extraordinarily important. And it even goes back to like our bench mob days. Mm -hmm. We had five guys rolling out onto the floor that were fun to watch who are our starting five essentially now, mm-hmm. but uh, we're always prepared to go out there and take any team to task. And I think that's uh, something that the more you kind of see uh, even clips of uh, <laughs> teams celebrating like a dunk or a three point and they're all falling over that kind of energy that they're bringing. I think that's uh, something you don't quantify in the least bit. There's no stats on that, but I think that's a, uh, an undervalued uh, skill set that a player can bring to a team. Again, why we want surge back essentially yeah. is to have, have that energy <laughs> and that kind of mentorship on the bench. Totally. And, and, you know, I don't think he was that much of a bench player when he was a Raptor, but I have this, this moment where uh, 
you know, we were playing the Pistons and I think it was James Johnson dunked on Andre Drummond. And then later on, Andre Drummond pushed him. And there's sort of this like melee, but PJ Tucker popped out of it and he like pointed at the other team, like I'm your dad and this is over now. (laughs) And they all looked at him like, sorry, dad. And it was like one of those things where it's like, I don't know how to quantify that, but that's awesome. And this guy just like shut it down. And yeah, I mean, one of my like perennial favorite, like players of all time is Manu Ginobili famously you know accepted his bench role and helped the spurs just win like a wild amount of games uh iguodala i'm not sure gets enough credit as uh you know being a big part of what the warriors were and are like his Mm -hmm. sacrifice like he was a really like a big time player when he was in philly Mm -hmm. um and you know he went to the warriors and almost immediately was like okay let me just fill in all the gaps here and we'll win like crazy so, yeah, it's, you know, you're, you're piggybacking off Katie's point, but I think it's particularly like kind of, you know, important right now when you're looking at this Raptors team, which seems like we're sort of like, like we figured out about like 55 or 60% of what we need to do. And those last pieces are a mixture of kind of like mysterious, but also really important. Mm-hmm. Delano Banton's a great example of it because the energy that he brings off the bench is, like Scotty Barnes, it's infectious. And mm-hmm. you think of his Delano Benton's first game as a Raptor and he hits that half court uh, three pointer. So amazing. Like just being that locked in immediately. And that's someone that we've gone back to several times throughout the season. Um, and as a young guy, having that wherewithal to remain uh, prepared at all times. Mm-hmm. And Henny's another one who, yep. I, for some reason, mm-hmm. I haven't seen a whole lot since that uh, ejection, I don't think. But. Yeah, I think he played maybe a little bit uh, yesterday against the Hawks. I also think he dislocated his finger, so I'm not sure how much that's factoring into that things. probably no. explain a couple of things, um, yeah. But he's also so tough that maybe, I don't know if that's even the thing. <laughs> like, like, like you could see the trainer being like, so how's your finger? And him just being like, what finger? You know? um, Does that but, magic uh, trick where it disappears? <laughs> yeah, he does the classic like uh, finger magic yeah. trick. Um, my answer is sort of, uh, I think, less cool than yours, but I'm just going to say it anyways. Uh, it's dribbling. I just, I feel like anytime someone really works on their dribbles, whether they're like a, a big guy like Birch and Precious or like a small guy like, you know, Fred or CP3, it just really is like it unlocks so much for them. Like, you know, as, as a Raptors fan, it's always interesting to me that a guy like Scotty or Pascal, they can grab a rebound and just run the ball up the court. But someone like OG can't really to that degree. Like he he can get it across half, but he's not like, like almost like like Scotty will run and he'll be like skipping. Like he'll have this energy of like, like he's Magic Johnson. And, you know, like whether it's a LeBron or Ben Simmons or Giannis, like I think dribbling just unlocks more for you as a player. Like Giannis and AD are two guys I always look at as like, you know, I feel like Giannis is just capable of so much more because he can dribble better. Uh, so anyways, yeah, dribbling was my main skill. I also feel like it was a big part of the Steph Curry, like three pointer revolution was him just improving his dribbles. Uh, yeah. So, so my answer is dribbling. (laughs) (laughs) 
a good answer. It's, it's a good great. skill. Yeah, it's a, it's a good skill, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, that's uh, that's it. We made it to the end of the pod. Um, thanks everyone who who's been listening. We just had our biggest month ever, so huge huge thank you to everyone like whatever you're doing sharing it and spreading the word uh we appreciate it subscribing all that good stuff but uh tristan let's go to you first you're working on all sorts of cool stuff right now i'm not sure what you can tell us about but um yeah what's going on where can people find you um well you can find me on twitter and instagram at half good underscore uh currently just you know just past the halfway point of all the uh, game day posters i'm doing so I think Woo. today was number 49. Uh, so yeah, every Raptors game, I'll be posting a new, different uh, game day poster. So this uh, week's busy then? Yeah, oh man. There are some <laughs> weeks where I have to look at myself and just think, why did I do this? But, um, yeah, I think there's, uh, after tonight, two more this week, um, which gets really interesting when they say face the Bulls two days uh, within in seven or teams in seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the heat is a different one that was today. So yeah, you can find me doing that. Um, got a couple things in the, in the works right now that may expand those poster ranges. And uh, yeah, that's, that's basically going to take <laughs> all of my time until the season's over. Cool. Well, I mean, keep up the good work. It's uh, it's fantastic. And I think it's just, you know, it's bringing to life, like, you know, I was saying earlier, just like a, a part of the fan base that I, it's, you know, it's like a certain itch is being scratched and it's just really cool. So Thank please you. keep Thank it up. Thank you so much. Um, Katie, what's up? You're, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're a woman about town, I would say, <laughs> you know, but also like, what's the focus right now? Like what, you know, what, where do you want to, you know, direct people? Um, yeah, I just wrote a really big feature. I mean, I kind of hinted at it a couple of times, but I just wrote a really big feature about Miles Bridges um, and how he fits into the Charlotte Hornets and, you know, their kind of audacious like breakaway season fitting with his really like career high season that he, he's having. So that's on dime. Um, got to really gush with, yeah, Tom Izzo, also Miles Bridges. Uh, one of his like trainers and assistant coaches of the Hornets, Dutch Gately, um, which I love talking to assistants because there's like, it's not like the head coach that they kind of have to clamp down and they, they can't really gush about guys because they can't really show like favoritism across the board, Mm -hmm. but assistants like for them to gush and for a player they work with to do well, reflects very well on them and their work. So they also just, they just want to gab. Um, and then you can also go to basketball feelings. Uh, so I just had a last week's basketball feelings podcast for subscribers. That was with Nikias Duncan. Um, but otherwise the newsletter is still free. Feel free to subscribe. Uh, that's at basketballfeelings.com. Hell yeah. Um, Katie, Tristan, you're both amazing. Thank you for doing this. This was a fun one. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, Us. Yeah, thank uh, and thank you for being here. Um, yeah, the, that's the pod, everyone. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, again, spreading the word. Maddie, if you feel like we're we're done and we're wrapped up, we're good to go. Please just give me those delicious words. Okay. Okay. <laughs>